0: I think this is a lot of bipartisan cosplay. The kind of unity I'm interested in looks at what republic voters are interested in, which is a lot of things in this list. The idea we keep asking to filter bipartisan through a corporate lens is unconscionable. Hello.
1: I'm Morgan McIntyre. This is Matthew Barber.
0: Oh, yes, I am Matthew Barber.
1: And welcome to the Down Bad Politics
0: podcast. Indeed.
1: Okay. As you heard from the, Matthew just read, from the unconscionably brilliant Brianna Gray Joy. Brianna Joy Gray. I, I can't English today. <laughs> no one can English today. <laughs> um, you know, that was, a, that was a quote from Brianna. Uh, Brianna Bri, Bri. With regards to Bipartisanship Under the Joe Biden Administration And the theme of this episode The main topic we plan on talking about Is Joe Biden At 100 days
0: Yes But before we talk about this I Mm. feel like I need to Give an announcement I think we need to have an update from From the first episode We've ever done Ooh, a an update. Game. What a could Gates it possibly...
1: Oh, Gatesgate. Yes, Gates something
0: happened
1: <laughs> with <laughs> Gatesgate?
0: <laughs> yep. All right, so...
1: Ooh. So,
0: <sighs> day before we record, a bomb shall happen. A bomb just dropped. And so what happens, as we read in the Daily Beast, Gates... Paid for sex with minor. Wing uh-huh. says Shook. <laughs> shook. Alright. The Daily Beast has obtained a confession letter that Joel Greenberg wrote after asking Roger Stone to help him obtain a pardon. The confession letter written by Joel Greenberg in the final months of the Trump presidency claims he and his close associate Matt Gates paid for sex with multiple women, as well as a girl who was 17 at the time. One more, on more than one occasion, this individual has was involved in sexual activities with several of the other girls, the, con- the congressman of Florida's first congressional district, and myself. From time to time, gas money or gifts, rent or partial tuition payments were made to. Several of these girls, including the individual who's not yet 18, I di- did see the, f- the act occur firsthand in Vimo transactions, Cash App, and other payments were made to these girls on the behalf of the congressman. <laughs> spicy. And you know, you could read all this, we're not going to read the entire article. We're That's not here to right. read the entire
1: article. Dude. You can, you as as Matthew said, you can go read it yourself. It's some juicy shit. Not gonna yep. lie, some very juicy shit. Yes. But um, I mean, this isn't really that much of a shock to me, no. quite frankly. I it's like <clears throat> there was clearly some sus shit going on when this story first broke, and now we do have later on in the article they talk about how he uh gates and greenberg did have sexual relations with a woman who was a girl let's be clear who was under the age of 18 and hadn't told them at the time but when they later found out this was the part that really fucking disgusted me (laughs) they found out then they stopped because they're like oh yeah no we shouldn't you know They were like, oh, you were ruining lives You hurt us, and we shouldn't have sex with you, and then they waited until she was 18, and then, like, five months after she turned 18, they contacted her again. Like, that's the part that fucking blows my mind. They were just like, yeah, no, we shouldn't have sex with you because you're under 18, and then, like, the second she got over 18, they're like, can we? Can we get back in there? Hi! You remember us from before, right? (laughs) It's just
0: like, ugh. why, 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 why is Matt Gates? Why not just go, a, a, a porn star, or an adult woman? And you know what? If he was
1: fucking an old woman, would it be weird? Sure. Yeah, I'm not but gonna it's... deny that. But it would be respectable. <laughs> at least it's it between, would be understandable
0: it's between two adults
1: exactly
0: so it's fine
1: but like when it's a fucking kid it's even someone who's 17 that's still a little it's like so 16 to adult. 16 to 18 sure if you're around their age that makes sense but Matt Gates is literally more than twice this girl's fucking age
0: exactly it's not like me when I have my talks with Morgan. It's u- usually all adults. Exactly. So it's... So don't be a Matt Gates.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, don't be a Matt Gates. This dude is literally fucking... like I've said it before. I don't like calling him a Florida man just because I feel like that does a disservice to Florida men everywhere. The dude is just... <laughs> Fucking insane
0: at least other florida men are like stories like i rode on an alligator that's cool <laughs> that's, <laughs> <respectable. make> some... <laughs> that's like awesome i you want know, talk... it,
1: it represents how florida is just this bizarre land of who knows what the fuck but it's exactly. cool
0: exactly but I...
1: it's, it's respectable i this want it's fucking disgusting
0: I once went had a gorilla come near my house and then we went, became friends and we went to have McDonald's afterwards.
1: Classic Florida man story. That is cool. I want to meet that man and meet that gorilla. I want to have McDonald's with them. I don't want to get anywhere near fucking Matt Gates. And if I do, I want to wear that fucking gas mask he wore just as just as a point. And if you don't remember that. There's this photo that came out at the like the beginning of the quarantine last year where Matt Gates literally wore a fucking gas mask to yes. <laughs> into Congress, which is the stupidest shit ever. Like, sure, great, you're staying safe. That's nice, but you were doing it as like a fuck you to people who wanted to wear masks. You know, people who are trying to keep their families safe. Exactly the nerve the audacity for someone to want to protect their family and themselves
0: good I feel like uh, we're going to talk more about the Florida man in this podcast
1: I mean if we keep talking about the Florida man we're going to talk more about the Florida man in this podcast but I digress <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that is our weekly update Our um,
1: week? are we going to make this weekly now? <laughs>
0: I don't want to make weekly, weekly, but whenever something happens,
1: this is our update until Matt
0: Gates is, I don't know, shot <laughs> or just like he had a, an That's, orgy of mine. Yeah
1: to be clear, I am not advocating for Matt Gates's murder. No do not kill yeah. him because then that man will be martyred mar- he will be turned into a murder <laughs> by somebody. And I don't want. I don't want to fucking hear. Him. I want Matt Gaetz to rot in fucking prison, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, like a Josh Duggar. God, <laughs>
1: Jesus, fucking Chris. Why is it always Republicans?
0: I, it, you, you look,
1: it's, there are plenty of good fucking Republicans out there. There are plenty of good conservatives out there. There are plenty of good Christian conservative Republicans out there. Why the fuck are these the people that are representing them? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's sad. It's
0: funny how everything they accuse Democrats of, they literally do it.
1: Rejection is a thing for a reason.
0: Exactly. But anyway.
1: Let's move on to the main story.
0: The, the enchilada. The, the
1: whole enchilada. Course,
0: the main course.
1: So Joe Biden has been president of the United States now for 100 days. Well, at this point, more than 100 days. <laughs> but, but, he's but it's been time. 100 days. Yes, the, the first big milestone of any presidency. Mm. Usually topped off by a joint session.
0: A state of the union, essentially. A
1: state of the union. A state of the union by another name. Exactly. Which is just like, it's a state of the union. I don't know why they don't fucking call it the state of the union.
0: That's what it is.
1: I I don't... I mean, I get the idea. like, oh, you haven't been president for, like, that long. But it's supposed to be, like, an update. I <sighs> you- thing with it is is it's like, sure, you've only been president for, like, a hundred days or so by the time you give the speech. But the point is, is that your update, like, the state of the union in general is about like the president updating the nation or giving like an update on like how the nation is doing. So like, regardless of when you are, you're still giving an update on the state of the nation. Yep. Which is why I, I agree. It's, it should just be called a state of the union.
0: <laughs> it's what it is. Because like, it,
1: if it was like a year in review, sure, I can argue, I can understand why that would be bad. Like, if that was the name of it, like, that would be, then, yeah, I can understand not wanting to use that name after only 100 days, because Joe Biden, would, the president would have only been president for 100 days. Mm-hmm. The president hasn't been, pre- the president has been president. What am I trying to say? State of the Union is just like, the, the name implies something different. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway. Anyway, that little side rant aside.
0: Let's talk about the first 100 days.
1: The first 100 days. How would you rate Joe Biden's first 100 days?
0: Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. I would rate it a B plus to A minus.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Around that.
1: Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. I'd say either low A, like low A to mid B in that range. Generally speaking, I've been very uh, pleased with how the Biden administration has conducted itself so far. Especially around issues related to COVID relief, getting people vaccinated, which I know is not you know directly the Biden Directly under their control, but it has been—it's been, it's been a good dip. to see people getting vaccinated. It's uh, in many ways, it does come from the top down, but
0: there has been um, a big difference between the former guy and this and President Biden's. Oh yeah, vaccination.
1: Absolutely, there's a massive difference between Trump and Biden. One hundred percent, and it's been especially good that the. to first kind of give some credit to Trump, like the U S in terms of it's, and this is like in, in praising Biden too. So it's not, uh, I'm not trying to say like, I'm going to be out here stumping for Trump. Um, it's more like what I'm trying to say is that the U I was looking at stats earlier and the U S has been very good at the economic recovery aspect of this, of this whole thing in terms of actually making sure that people are financially stable throughout this entire process. Yep. And the, you know, granted the part that we botched, we botched fucking terribly, which was the actual vaccine rollout. Yep. <laughs> Just, you know, the actual getting people vaccinated and keeping them healthy. You know, that part we fucking botched. But, in, but now to move on to, to Biden in this appraisal,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: this praising you know the biden plan from what we can tell is going to put the u.s far ahead of um, recovery in terms of economic recovery far ahead of other countries in terms of what is projected to be the uh, economic recovery far ahead of what the u.s was projected far ahead of what other countries are projected and i think that that is good That's really fucking good i think you know yeah I've said it before like I'm sure I you could argue I'm like a fiscally responsible person that tends to be my you know political ethos when it comes to fiscal response you know fiscal policies but even I can admit like this is a moment where you want to just spin just throw fucking money at the wall
0: exactly this is not a fucking wall until this is fixed (laughs) exactly this is a time of crisis this is a
1: time of crisis
0: you got to do what you to do to do not give half measures like certain political parties. But <clears throat> Republicans.
1: We'll um, get into that.
0: Exactly, we will get into them. But first, day one, well, we're not gonna go like day by day.
1: But I don't think we need to do a chronology of this, honestly.
0: <laughs> I no. think it's,
1: I really feel like we should just kind of go over it in the big broad strokes.
0: So the first goal, one of President Biden's first goals was get to a 100, 100 million shots in people's arms. Mm-hmm.
1: In 100, 100 million vaccinations. So Matthew, yes. did he accomplish this goal?
0: First, before we say that, there were doubters. There were <laughs> one comes. There were to the mind.
1: non-believers.
0: They were heathens. My money. There was one man who said that if you call uh, Dan Crenshaw, Cres- Daniel
1: Crenshaw,
0: Republican Congressman of um, Texas, the great state of Texas, trying to have his best Nick Fury impression, although all you know that. But mm-hmm. he said that wasn't as impressive. What he should do is get 200 um, shots in 100 days. And the funniest thing is do you know how many days it took to get to 100 million shots? How many days? How many days? Well, first of all, let me take get a drink of water.
1: Because to be quite honest, I don't know the exact number.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to answer the question anyway. It was 58 days.
1: 58 days. Just over half of 100 days. <laughs> 58% of 100 days.
0: At March 25th. We got to, But President Biden was like, you know what? He may even, there may have been somebody from the staff when he was just sitting in the White House, probably eating ice cream, you know, petting Major Biden, the dog. And- the iconic. <laughs> yes, we stand Major Biden. Um, there was probably some staff member I was like, you know what? This one guy said 200 million shots. And he was like, why not? And then, lo and behold, about a couple of days ago, let's see, around April 22nd, which was double, probably a week ago, he hit the shot. He hit the goal of two hundred million shots, and somewhere, Dan Crenshaw is on spreading is incitement of um of the Biden beast essentially. Oh yeah, uh,
1: and I mean as we're as we're recording this, the gov- we're currently at um thirty percent, a little over thirty percent vaccinated,
0: fully vaccinated,
1: um, and like we're doing good. I haven't been vaccinated yet.
0: I will. I have poor. not been vaccinated, but I but pre-registered, I want to get vaccinated.
1: I want to get vaccinated too. I'm just like, I don't know when and how I'm gonna pay for it. Regardless, my goal is to get vaccinated soon because I can get vaccinated now. And if you have not been vaccinated and you are currently listening to this, please get vaccinated. This is our general message to you. If you take away anything from this podcast, Please get, get vaccinated. vaccinated.
0: Doesn't matter. Pfizer, Moderna, J and J.
1: Choose your side, and <laughs> well, technically you can enter into the side. Stan war. <laughs>
0: exactly. This, this should
1: have. be stand conflicts. I don't want to hear about which fucking K-pop group you want to support. It needs to be: Are you Pfizer gang? Are you a Moderna boy? Are you a and bitch? I don't give a shit. <laughs> Who are you? Which side are you on of the great? <laughs> The great I, vaccination sand war of twenty twenty one.
0: I wish I was a J and J bitch, but um <laughs> <laughs> but the place I was at where I live very much gets Pfizer. Getting Pfizer. So I had to get two shots. I prefer to just get it one and done, even though I know some people who you know who you are who are at J and J, and I am very envious of you. Because essentially, as we record, the CDC says if you are fully vaccinated. You are technically you don't need to wear a mask mm-hmm. around fully vaccinated people and all that stuff. But you know, people who you, you know who you are who, who listen to this podcast, you have J and J. I hate you. I hate you so much. Not really.
1: Not really and I mean, I mean that rule makes sense if we're going to be honest. I mean, once you get vaccinated, there's not really. You have got the system. You got it in your system. Yes, you should be cautious. You shouldn't just, you know, cavalierly go around being like, I got vaccinated. I can do whatever the fuck I want now. (laughs) Let's go to the strip club. Yeah. (laughs) If they're open. (laughs) I'm just going to lick all the fucking ice cream. Whatever. (laughs) References. (laughs) Um, You should still be cautious. But like at the end of the day, once you've been vaccinated, you've been vaccinated and you're you're vaccinated.
0: <laughs> oh, go
1: for it. You're 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 protected now against COVID. This pandemic, which is still raging.
0: Don't be we're not like Joe Rogan. It no. it doesn't matter if you're healthy. Like me, oh, I'm no. mostly. I'm mostly a healthy person with like two or maybe three sick days a year. And I'm yeah. taking this vaccine. So Same. Go take it.
1: anyway. I don't care. I could have literal immunity to coronavirus and I would still get vaccinated <laughs> just in case, just on the off chance my immunity ends.
0: Exactly. But anyway, for our service announcements.
1: Yes. On to some other policy. Yes. Because <laughs> there's other stuff. Because it wasn't just vaccinations. Yes. You had a variety of... Policies that were proposed and passed. Yes, throughout these 100 days,
0: including a big one. Certain
1: Ooh, a big one.
0: <laughs> I love a big one. You also like a package.
1: <laughs> I love a big package.
0: <laughs> so the so the biggest accomplishment so far of the Biden administration, one of hopefully many many, mm-hmm. is. The, What I like to call the first of the American plan trilogy, the American rescue plan. Yes. The American
1: rescue plan passed via budget reconciliation.
0: Through just tossing and turning and seething of teeth, we got the thing passed. Hmm. Yeah, not everything we wanted was in it, but you know what? It's worth it.
1: It was. I know there were some people who had, even on the Democratic side, who were, you know, didn't like the idea of passing it through budget reconciliation. I've talked to people who did, did not like that process, and as far as I'm concerned, do it just fucking do it. The problem is, is, you know, the problem is, is that there's a lot of, uh, whether or not the Republicans actually want to work with the Democrats, like regardless of whether or not the Republicans want to be a bipartisan, which I think some do, some don't, but there's a pressure to not to appear strong as the opposition party. Mm -hmm. Um, the reality is, is that you're going to have to use reconciliation to do things, on top of the fact that Republicans, even the ones who want to compromise, are often arguing for safer, less uh, generous programs, let's say.
0: And do you, do you remember what, um, how much money they proposed for the COVID relief?
1: If I'm not mistaken, I think it was 900 million. Maybe less. I think maybe 600. It was not a lot compared to the trillions that were being offered by the Biden administration, which, if I'm being frank, is better.
0: In crisis. Just imagine if the Republicans were, if they were president instead of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, they would have just had like $9. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, we had a president during the Great De- We had a Republican president during the Great Depression. And Hoover was not necessarily a conservative Republican yeah. in, his, in his orthodoxy. Yes. Yeah. He was literally labeled as a socialist because he was spending some money.
0: Even you spend a little bit, tiny bit of money. You are considered far left or less socialist. But we will probably talk about that later.
1: Probably. I mean, the thing is, this gets into an argument about inflation and debt and how much debt should we accrue in terms of the national debt. My general feeling on it is that the national debt should be a concern. I don't think it should be set aside. and I think any reasonable person is going to agree with you on that. But my argument at the same time is that it depends on what we're getting in debt for. What are we getting in debt because of? Because if you looked at the Trump, just to take two administrations, two very recent administrations, if you look at the Trump administration, they passed. I forget that. Essentially, the Trump tax cuts. I forget what the exact name of the legislation is, but Trump Trump tax cuts. Eh, Regardless, I don't need the exact name to make this point. Mm -hmm. He passed the Trump tax cuts. They removed a lot of tax cuts on the top. They cut a lot of taxes for the top percentage. Okay. Here's the problem with that. That's Set that aside. The problem is, is that he was still spending at the same rate. So while you have the wealthy making a lot more money now and continuing to hoard that wealth. The government is just accruing more and more and more debt and nothing is being built. Nothing positive is being built. Rich people are just able to buy another yacht. Yep. Compare that to the Biden administration who is investing in infrastructure and regardless of what you consider infrastructure to be, put that aside. Mm -hmm. Having Let's just go with the basics just having roads water treatment facilities uh, parking lots all of these things that you would reasonably consider infrastructure are going to be better in the long term for the United States because it helps build it helps build up the economy
0: mm-hmm. so it
1: generates wealth it creates more wealth so sure you're going into debt but that debt is then going to generate more wealth.
0: I'd rather go into debt for helping people than mm-hmm. giving them more well-off, more money than they should. And the biggest thing exactly. as we saw in COVID, some of the richest people got kadoodles of money. basically So much more money. <laughs> exactly. So anyway. But um, yeah. I mean, there was a big controversy in the American Rescue Plan was that it did not include the $15 minimum wage. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Now, here's my point of view. I saw some people say, well, we can just overturn it. You know, look, I totally support $15 minimum wage. It's fantastic. I think it's popular, all that stuff. And what I re- would want the, the $15 an hour minimum wage in the plan Absolutely. Mm-hmm. that being said if you didn't look at our numbers at the senate it's 50-50 mm-hmm. and there are there were seven yep. who voted against it
1: I believe so No,
0: nope. even if we like if it was like basically if we had a 54-55 we basically there was enough people to basically like we can overturn it I'd be comfortable with that but since we have our 50-50 split (sighs) thank you and it's just like I may get to this a little bit but there is some uh, criticism of the Biden um, policies that sort of to me personally come off very bad faith. basically And we may get it when we talk about immigration. There's in all that, I say, like a lot of it is just bad faith arguments, form from bad faith arguments. Yeah. Yeah. Pass and sign into law.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I get why $15 minimum wage was not included in that. I do. And for the most part, a lot of those votes were not necessarily opposition. To a $15 minimum wage in and of itself. They were up, it was really opposition to having it included in a spending bill.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the reality is, is it's not like 43 Democrats support raising the minimum wage. It's more most, it's more like most of the Democrats support it. They just want to pass as a separate piece of legislation and would argue that and would argue that point. And I can understand that yeah. personally. Like I do agree. I have a more nuanced view on the minimum wage and that I think that it should be increased regardless. Yeah. But I generally take the opinion that depend- it should be, there should be some accommodation for cost of living in every area because we are a vast country and just applying one standard to everywhere might work in some places, might not work in others. But regardless, the minimum wage should be increased. Yeah. And I think that most Democrats would, I would argue the vast majority of Democratic legislators would agree with that and would want to pass something like that mm-hmm. and intend to. Yeah. The problem is, is that they also then have to signal their independence, for lack of a better term, their maverickiness, for lack of a better term, from the Democratic establishment. from the Democratic Party I shouldn't say the Democratic establishment but from the Democratic party as an institution and I get that yeah so
0: what besides that what other things did the Biden presidency do well um I can give
1: you one. He got his cap it. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> well, Other than nearer Tandon he got basically every all of his first choices. Yep. Well, actually there was someone who was taken out, but that was pre uh, confirmation. Yep. <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking about?
0: Wait a minute. Is it the man the myth, the legend? Who is it?
1: <laughs> it's not Doug Jones. I wish I prayed it. I wish oh, Doug, Doug Jones, Jones was RAG. That would have been an amazing AG pick. He's top. If I ever, I doubt this would ever happen. But if I were president Mm -hmm. and Doug Jones were alive,
0: if he was still alive,
1: if he was, I know. I'm just talking about like hypothetically. If I was president right now, I you top of my list for AG picks. Absolutely top of the list. But no, I'm talking about um, Michelle. Something I forget her name. She was one of the original names floated for. Department of Defense. Really? Yeah, Michelle Flournoy, I believe is how it's pronounced. Anyway, she was one of the original people named floated for the Department of Defense, but her confirmation, or she was rejected by a lot of the more progressive wing of the Democratic Party because she is a war hawk. She's a very hawkish person on foreign policy. And they did not want a hawkish person in charge of the Defense Department. Hello? So that's why Biden dropped her before, even before the confirmation process and went with uh, Lloyd Austin, our current Secretary of Defense.
0: Yes. A lot of firsts in this um, um, cabinets, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. First first African American to be Secretary of Defense
1: mm-hmm.
0: first woman to be Secretary of Treasury oh yeah and first openly gay person to be a part of the Secretary of the Transportation
1: yes one first openly gay secretary openly in American gay. history
0: the one the only Morgan loves him
1: oh my favorite <laughs>
0: Peter Paul One. Montgomery Buttigieg.
1: You know my youngest brother. I'm not going to say his actual name, but my youngest brother was originally going to be named Montgomery. How are you going? Before we, there's this weird naming condition in our family that we discovered afterwards.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Bef- like before he was born,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but like after my parents had already felt like they were going to name him Montgomery, and then. They went with that naming uh, tradition as opposed to name, and instead of naming him Montgomery. (laughs) So I could have had a brother named Montgomery.
0: How are you going to have a short name for it?
1: Probably be Monty. (laughs) Monty.
0: Um, And also the first Native American to be a cabinet secretary.
1: In particular, the first Native American to head up the Interior Department.
0: Hell yeah.
1: Which is huge because of you obviously I don't know how many people are aware of uh, policy policy with regards to Indian affairs in the United States but that is under the purview of the Secretary of the Interior so it's it's huge to have like a not just a woman but a Native American woman in charge of the department that heads up Indian affairs in this country Native American Indian affairs in this country it's a big fucking deal it's a huge fucking deal.
0: Especially if you know the history of how we treat Native Americans. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, we've gotten better, but at the same time, it's not great. <laughs> Especially the, his- the history of it was not good. But I would you know, argue, it you know, objectively, obviously, it's we're better nowadays than we were then.
0: But good Lord.
1: Shit. Good Lord, was it bad? Yeah.
0: Um, I think one thing that could be talked about for the Pride Presidency, how pro-environment it is. Yeah. It's the yeah. I mean,
1: one of the first things you did was re-enter the Paris Climate Yeah. Of-
0: Paris Climate the,
1: Accords. The Paris Climate Agreement.
0: Yes. Thank you. I still yes. remember the day um, if we came out mm-hmm. in 2017, like, oh yeah, we're leaving. I'm like, huh? Yeah. 2017, I was celebrating graduating high school. I went to Ohio for some fun. And, and it's like basically, like, oh yeah, Donald Trump has said he's going to leave that we're gonna leave the Paris Climate Accords. And I was like, uh-huh. I mean yeah. was, I mean there was other signs that how much you know the Trump presidency didn't give a damn about the environment. You know, it's just oh, yeah, obvious. Yeah. very obvious.
1: Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's become a talking point on the right to have this conversation about the war on coal. And, you know, setting aside the policy, the actual statistics, just looking at it from an optics perspective, it made sense why Donald Trump pulled out of the, climate Paris, agree- the Paris Agreement, because... He wants to posture to his voters
0: mm-hmm.
1: who are not fans of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's, you know, I mean, I get it. They're concerned about jobs. Sure. They're concerned about their security, their future, but this point needs like this point needs to be reinforced that you need to make sure that the market is changing. The reality is that the market is changing, and we need to, on the one hand, protect those people who are at risk of losing their jobs with the market changes, but at the same time also work to not hamstring the market and ensure that the market can have that transition.
0: Sorry. Also, he rescinded the Keystone XL oil plot pipeline. pipeline. He has committed to reduce United States greenhouse energy emissions by 50% by mm-hmm. 2030, so about nine years from now, and established the White House Office of Domestic Climate Policy, I believe, is headed by. One former Massachusetts senator and t- thousand four um, Democratic nominee J.F.K. and Secretary of State. Yes, John Forbes Kerry.
1: John Kerry. I like John Kerry. You son of a bitch.
0: <laughs> he is. Has- I.
1: I literally. I have. Okay. Funny story. I don't know if I've I don't know if I've mentioned this to you before, but I went to I wasn't a conservative at this time, but I went to a conservative uh, like youth activist retreat. Essentially, is the best way to describe it. Fun time, um, but um, they had this one speaker there who went to like spoke at an intelligence panel when John Kerry was the head of the intelligence. Uh, Committee in the Senate, and he literally, to his face, said, "John Kerry, you're like you son of a bitch," and then launched into a whole spiel about it. (laughs) So now, whenever I think of John Kerry, I always think of that. (laughs) So I'm just always like, John Kerry, you son of a bitch, (laughs) and I, I, he meant it in a negative way. The obvious implications, but he, you know, was sticking it to Kerry. I mean it in more of the endearing, like, yes, bitch, you go, you work. Like, I love John that. Kerry, he's you son of a son bitch. Of a bitch. Uh,
0: he, fun fact, he was, he became the Secretary of State on my birthday on 2013.
1: Oh, congrats. I
0: know.
1: That's a huge accomplishment.
0: Exactly. And <laughs> he's constantly been good-looking you know, for a long time. So. The
1: dude has basically been chiseled out of marble his entire fucking life. <laughs> dude looks and he's like, in his, like, 70s.
0: He's, like, gonna turn 78 this year in December. Dude looks uh, like, you know, when you, like, look at, like, a movie, like, uh, an apocalypse movie, like, Independence Day, mm-hmm. if you ever, like, typecast a person to mm-hmm. be president of the United States... John mm. Forbes Carry, man. You need to get it. Because I was watching the oh, DNC yeah. 2020 last year. And he had a speech. I'm like, good lord. He looks like he could be president. Oh, you know? yeah.
1: The dude obviously is like just looks presidential. Looks like, timeless, if we're being honest. He yeah, looks like, other than like his hair changing, he looks the same.
0: Yeah, like this prototypical when we think of like white dude being a president. You think of like you just look at John Kerry, you're like. That dude could like you know, tall six four, you know all that. Mm-hmm. Sorry for the John Kerry simpery, but we <laughs> like John Kerry in this thing, and we stand we by do. him.
1: We stand John Kerry
0: exactly. We, we stand do. by John Kerry by these erroneous accusations.
1: That flip flopper. I know that <laughs> damn flip flopper.
0: <laughs> all right. Anyway, enough anyway. of the John Kerry.
1: Enough of the carry left. Let's move on to more talk about the Biden administration.
0: You <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about the Biden administration.
1: Really? Awesome. I don't remember.
0: Yeah, maybe. Another one of President Biden's accomplishments was that he rescinded, he ended, let's see, a policy, a famous policy that was uh, by the Trump. Uh, let's see let's see let's see i'm just looking over i'm just trying to get it right are we talking about his immigration policy oh yeah that's oh yeah that's true we can go let's go for that since i'm having a little bit of trouble finding the other band. let's go with that yeah no i figure that's what you're
1: talking about but yeah no i mean biden has granted he has not been as fast as a lot of people wanted mm-hmm. initially, which is more a function of bureaucracy more than anything else. Mm-hmm. The president cannot just snap his fingers and get everything done because it is a bureaucratic, uh, it's a it's a bureaucracy. There's a lot of bureaus with crats in them. <laughs> No, yes. there's a lot of public servants. You got to go through the paperwork. You got to go through the red tape if you want to enhance this thing. But like a stat that I noticed today was, um, I, I need to read the full article, but there was, I saw excerpts from it where essentially under the Trump administration, you, you um, immigrants being processed took like, what's the exact time... Of uh, <clears throat> it was a massive, massive thing. So it took them about three, one hundred and thirty-three hours to <laughs> process, uh, it, to process kids in um, border patrol custody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Biden now has that down to twenty-eight hours. Also, awesome. <clears throat> so that's like. That is a cut down of, from essentially, like from essentially a week to two days.
0: Nice. And also another thing that they're doing well, even though at the time they're trying to do like, oh, we have a border, a crisis on the border and stuff the number of children at the border patrol custody in the United States-Mexico border, this was said yesterday as we filmed it, dropped 82% in the last month. Mm -hmm. You know?
1: Yeah. No, it's gone down. And I I would chalk it up not so much to... uh, You know, obviously just looking at it strategically as an immigrant, if I'm coming into this country, I'm going to want to come in under a Democratic president as opposed to a Republican president nowadays. But the reason for that is, is that the Democratic Party is actually, or in this case, Biden, the Biden administration actually is putting in policies that are, for lack of a better term, expediting the process, which has always been the issue, in my opinion, with immigration Mm -hmm. or immigration laws. It's, It's very... It's cumbersome, it is, it's a difficult network to work through, and I get the security concerns, and I agree with that. At the same time, that doesn't mean we need to throw up so many roadblocks.
0: True. Also, uh, President Biden revoked Executive Order
1: 13769. What
0: is Executive Order 9? It is the Muslim ban. So
1: he re- Shocker.
0: <laughs> I know he, he revoked it and its pro- proclamations on presidential proclamation 10141.
1: So yeah, I mean that's you know, as someone who is a religious pluralist and believes in diversity, and would you know, I would argue there are you know, obviously serious national security concerns with regards to. Uh, ex- Islamism Islamist extremists the generic Muslim the generic yeah. practicer of the Islamic faith is not in that category and just wholesale banning them from the country it honestly just violates every sort of secular principle I stand for
0: true and,
1: uh, and it's good that he had to, to that in my opinion
0: yes um uh... All right, let me. All right, I finally got the one I was talking about. The
1: other policy before we yeah. skipped over it to go to immigration. <laughs> yeah,
0: because I was trying to for, for it, the uh, he ended the presidential moratorium of military service by transgender individuals. Yes. And um,
1: Joe Biden said trans rights.
0: Exactly. We're gonna our final. All right, spoiler. Our final thing we're gonna talk about the hundred days is, is gonna be the the State of the Union. Yes. That's what we're going to, that's what it is. It's a state of unit. It's the
1: end of a, you know, it capped off the hundred days. It makes sense that we leave that till the end.
0: Yes. But, you know, it's not a surprise. I mean, Joe Biden, when he was vice president in 2012, said that trans discrimination, let me get to the quote, Which shows like how awesome Joe Biden is Oh yeah In terms of um, Trans rights Was basically saying That trans discrimination is going to be The civil rights issue of the day This is 2012 Way before I mean trans people existed Oh yeah forever. (laughs) But it wasn't until like This year or last year We just see like Numerous of like hate crimes against trans. Mm-hmm. It really
1: just- wasn't until like 2015, 2016, when trans the the conversation, the issues around trans people really came into the forefront yes. of people's minds because of and the
0: bathrooms,
1: because of the whole bathroom issue, and on and to this point, it makes sense why they weren't at the forefront because for many years the forefront of the gay. The gay rights movement, I use this. I'm using that specifically in this context as opposed to the queer rights or LGBTQ communities movement. The gay rights movement has been, the forefront of the gay rights movement in the minds of the average American has often been white gay men.
0: Yes. Oftentimes.
1: Up until very recently.
0: Yeah. Even though the modern LGBTQ plus movement was started by a
1: black trans woman. If I... Uh, I wouldn't say she started it, but she certainly... I felt like she formed the first organization. <laughs> yeah, not like...
0: Yeah, I'm a straight dude, I'm sorry. But basically... Yeah, Marsha it- D. Johnson didn't
1: start the first, uh, like, nationally recognized queer, uh rights advocacy group but she is credited i should be very technical about this she is credited as throwing the first brick at stonewall yes there is some dispute about who actually threw it and even marsha p johnson herself has said that she did not throw the first brick Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but there's at least audio of her saying this but that should not undercut the message that from the beginning the lgbtq community and the pro lgbtq rights movement has not been a white male movement from the it's beginning
0: cisgender maybe
1: cisgender male movement yeah. it, it has always been a very diverse coalition and it has always been a very diverse movement the problem is is that due to a bunch of intersectional issues with regards to the ways in which we view race and gender and sexuality, oftentimes it was easier to just, it was more acceptable to have a white cisgendered man at the forefront because that was considered acceptable politics. It was considered acceptable to look at. And it's good that we have moved into an era where the, the trans part of the community is being, is visible, is being seen. And it's not, you know, now it's not just cisgendered white men that are a part of the movement or seen as leaders of the movement. It is across the spectrum a, uh, it's people from across the spectrum within the movement, which is good. As a white gay man, as a white gay cisgendered man, I think that that is inherently good. Because that is a, just like I believe that the diversity of the United States is a, Beautiful thing that makes us stronger. I believe the diversity within the LGBTQ community is a beautiful thing that makes us stronger. Platitudes. Agree. We'll get into those more later, but
0: <laughs> I'm I'm a straight dude, and I have nothing to say here. <laughs> Other than but I say is my I, issue. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> I'm the only one that's allowed to talk about it. Yeah, I
0: know. But um, um, let's see. Yeah.
1: No, Biden has uh, oddly, oddly, he's been very based on these issues ever since the, ever since the Obama administration. Which is kind of funny that he, because apparently, like he is credited with being, with coming out and saying that he supported gay marriage before Obama.
0: He's basically the reason why Obama came out. The
1: thing is, from what I understand, that was that was a gaffe on his part. Hey. Which I'm not opposed to, as a you know, as someone who cares about the queer community and queer rights, like I'm fine with that. I don't have an issue with that. I just think that that's funny. Uh, it's this weird technical thing that's like, people oh yeah. said- Technically, he wasn't supposed to say that. It was supposed to be Obama first and then
0: Biden. But you know what? If it wasn't it's still for- based, <laughs> and that was the start of the time of 2012, where like people are like, huh. Eh. I think I'm for that. Mm-hmm. It started the shift. It was it all really because did. the thing that was perceived as Biden's weakness, it turned out to give us marriage equality. It helped. Exactly. It, it yeah. helps
1: because I'm. I don't want to undercut. Yeah, I'm so. But the um, the activism and what was done on an activism because to your point. It does help to have people in institutions promoting these things. Yes. So I don't want no, yeah, to, I'm trying to take away from that. Like you that. are right on that regards. We do need that. Yeah. At the same time, I also don't want to,
0: yeah, I don't want I hope this I did painted not like,
1: I don't want this painted like only it was Joe Biden, savior of the trans. Who came <laughs> <in>. <laughs> because that's not, as yeah. not how, that's not how any movement
0: works. Yeah, and I apologize if I came off that way.
1: No, I don't think you I don't think that was your intention. Yeah. I, I was just making that note as like a this is to a broader point about social movements, which I think we might, I might I'm primed to bring up actually beyond yeah. just the LGBTQ community with regards to uh, some of Biden's actions, but we can get into that later.
0: Um, yeah, he did that. Um, I guess another. We're, we'll go briefly into foreign policy. Yes. Uh, which one do you want to go first? Which a country that starts with an A? We want to go first.
1: Well, there was Afghanistan. Let's get. Let's do what chronologically came first, which was Afghanistan. Oh
0: yeah, Afghanistan. Biden which... did something that. His previous two pe- people predecessors said they would do, but, but didn't. But did it.
1: And that is saying that they saying that he was going to pull out of Afghanistan. And I know that you're very much in support of this.
0: Yeah, I'm. Yeah, it's this is going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm very much it. I.
1: At the end of the day, I support it because I don't think that Biden's goal is to withdraw from the world.
0: Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't think that's his
1: goal. I'm just concerned about that. I am concerned about that because the reality of the matter is, is that U.S. troops withdrawing from the region means that the Taliban is going to fill that void. It is... Just an unfortunate reality of that situation. And I do think that there needs to be, I do think that there needs to be US military presence in the world. I do. I own that position. Just because I would argue that that makes us safer as a country, mm-hmm. which we can delve into. Mm-hmm. But just as shorthand, it, I would argue it makes us safer. And in particular, it reinforces that we are standing up for human rights. Now, granted, military action by the United States has not always been perfect. I'm not going to deny that. I am just... On the one hand, I do agree that we should be pulling out of the unit, that we should be, we should not be continuing forever wars because at the end of the day, that doesn't help.
0: On the other hand,
1: and I don't think Biden is um, doing this, I don't think he's an isolationist. No. I just guard against that very fiercely. I'm someone who's very anti-isolationism.
0: Me too. It's just my, all right, if I give a counter to Morgan's point, we've been here for 20 fucking years. And yeah. it seems very unwinnable, you know? So, I mean, I get the concern. The Taliban sucks. And if we have to, like, give some arms to the people to fight off against the Taliban. I'd be for that and all that. But at, I'm just like... How much longer you know no, my yeah. God, the, the war has been older than my younger brother who was born in 2006 <laughs> you know oh, yeah I, you know I'm I'm in community college right now and I was like two when the war started you know I
1: no I was <sighs> six about a turn seven when the war started exactly it's just like I've grown up with this one I've grown up with both all of our wars both exactly of our wars. That, Like, I'm well aware of that fact. Yeah. Like I said. No, and I get your point. And I, I, there is something to be said. Like I said, there's something to be said about not continuing forever wars. There's also something to be said about the fact that the United States being in the area, being in the region, provides, provides that security. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. All right.
1: But, and, and like, it's, it's, it's unfortunate to say, because I know people don't want to be continually engaging in that. And I do agree that we should not be continuing. We should not be, my general sense is that we should not be the world's policemen. At the same time, I can fully acknowledge. And this turns into a position that the Biden administration seems to be positioning itself on, which I agree with. The reality of the matter is, is that the United States is realistically one of the only countries that can exert itself internationally. It really is the, it's the, it's the, it's the country that can do that the most. Yes. There are other countries that are reaching that point, China and Russia come to mind. But the reality of the matter is, is that the United States is the only country that can do that effectively, True. that can do that right now, doesn't need to build up anything else. It's the only one that absolutely can do that as we speak right now. True. And to pivot into the State of the Union. <laughs> I know that's probably not where you wanted to go with this, but I have to reference the State of the Union to make this point. Mm-hmm. So, One of the things that Biden laid out is something that I really do agree with. I've agreed with for a while now. And that is essentially we've moved into this position where there is essentially a new cold war between authoritarianism on the one hand represented by the People's Republic of China, most prominently, but also states like Russia Mm -hmm. and the United States and democracy represented by the United States, countries like the United States. And that takes active foreign engagement. You need to be on the ground in those. You need to to fight a Cold War. You need to be prepared to send people abroad. You do. And... The reality of the matter is is that while we should not be uh, permanently engaged in these sorts of things, the reality of the matter is is that conflict is going to happen. And we are going to have to be engaged in that. We can't cut ourselves off and pretend like it's not going to happen, because if we do, it's going to come to our shores, whether we like it or not.
0: Yeah, fair enough. But the other big foreign policy thing that Biden did.
1: Totally non-controversial foreign policy.
0: Yeah. It's just like, if you say it.
1: He doesn't have people in his replies over like literally nothing. He could be the most, he could say, I love, he could post a picture of ice cream and he would get replies that were so negative, so spiteful.
0: Why can't you eat McDonald's basically? But if you do not know what we are talking about, President Biden acknowledged that the Iranian genocide happened.
1: Yes. And it was, in fact,
0: <laughs> a genocide. <laughs>
1: yes. I don't know if he's the first president to ever do this, but it, he is certainly the first president within my lifetime, I know, that has acknowledged it while, while in office.
0: Let me check. I know Reagan acknowledged it, but it wasn't, like, Let's yeah. Let's okay.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, this is a huge thing because I've done. You know, I have done some research on the. I'm a historian. I'm, I'm a historian. I like history. Yes. And one of the things that I've researched is the Armenian genocide. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this was a heavily publicized event. Like it is in the historical record. Mm-hmm. It is like you can argue that maybe some people i don't I'm not going to say mischaracterized it because that's wrong but like oversold it you could argue that maybe which i don't really agree with to be honest to be quite clear but the reality of the matter is is that the armenian genocide happened yes it is an event in history that occurred at the behest of the at the time turkish our Ottoman government now that transitioned later into the Turkish government. Yes. It happened. Yeah. It is a tragic event on our history. And if you want to pretend, you know, one of the points that was made by a number of Turkish nationalists in Biden's replies was essentially like, well, the US has done similar stuff. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, we, we, have. Have. we have. The difference is, is that I learn about the Trail of Tears in my history class. Yep. Whereas I would imagine, I learned not just about the Trail of Tears, I learned about the impact the Trail of Tears had. I learned about- I highly doubt that the average Turkish school system is pumping out, you know, they probably mention the Armenian genocide. I don't know the Turkish educational system to be clear, but I would imagine they probably mention it, but not in the way that it there's probably some bias to it, is what I'm trying to get. Yeah,
0: you know, we learn about slavery, and you know, depending how it's taught, what people know, you know, and the Japanese internments. You know, yep. You know? We learn about the
1: dark parts of our history. Exactly. We don't sweep that shit under our rug.
0: Exactly. And you know
1: what? I'm still a proud fucking American.
0: Me too.
1: Even though but, I recognize these parts.
0: Yeah, but we do not. We're not like Turkish. All right, no. so I, I read. So, I read the thing it says Ronald Reagan referenced the events in 1922. No, That's not 1922. <laughs> it would be like 11 uh, April 22nd 1981. Ronald Reagan referenced the events as a genocide in the statement about the Holocaust. 2007, the United States House Commerce of Foreign Affairs approved a resolution that recognized the Armenian genocide. It was not received support from. Uh, George W Bush who said that the passage would be a great harm uh, um, to the key ally in Turkish Turkey NATO and in the war on terror uh, Obama promised to recognize it but you know he refused to describe the events as a genocide Trump there was a had bipartisan vote in 2019 in both the House and 405 to 11 to recognize the Iranian genocide, and then in the Senate, it passed uh, unanimous consent, and then Trump rejecting the resolution. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I mean, yeah, this speaks to the, the issues with diplomacy and foreign policy, <laughs> which is, I, like I don't blame Americans, the average American, for not taking an interest in foreign policy, because it can get... You have to understand histories of people. You have to understand the governments and the way they function, where they draw their legitimacy from. And I know I'm starting to sound like a lecturer because that's kind of what foreign policy is. It's looking at vast swaths of knowledge about countries Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and understanding that. And there is the reality of the matter that the turkish government does deny this happened yes and in many ways that is an attempt to keep their legitimacy and their hold on power because they don't want to paint they don't want to paint themselves as the aggressor in that situation
0: even saying, "Oh yeah, we're gonna acknowledge the native, the, the uh, lost words, uh, the native what you did to Native Americans." It's like, yeah, yeah. So
1: we do that all yeah. the time. Exactly. <laughs> I doubt, so, like many even conservative Americans, would deny that we genocided exactly. Native Americans. Maybe it's they wouldn't pretty- describe it in that way, but we would all. I, the average American agrees that we fucked over Native Americans, that we fucked over black people.
0: Yeah. I would argue of all the groups, Native Americans probably got fucked over the most.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: Because they for were sure. here first, they had their cultures, and then we were like, I know this isn't technically America, it's technically Central America, but when Christopher Columbus, mm-hmm. who came in, foolishly thought he was in India, yeah, all that stuff and all the, all the bullshit basically happened to Native Americans. It's, it's fucking awful. all
1: the fun stuff.
0: <laughs> exactly, fun. I say and that not, with a
1: very obvious sarcastic tone,
0: and not like you know Pocahontas, nineteen ninety five. No, or like what some people say the first Thanksgiving was like it wasn't fun at all. It was not <laughs> it was not fun it
1: really wasn't and honestly this is an area where i think you and i can definitely agree good on the biden administration for acknowledging this
0: <laughs> exactly good it on the button
1: good that we have recognized this as they go because this is something is something the average american probably understands happened and like if they have if they've ever heard of the Armenian genocide, they probably know. Yeah, the Armenian Genocide, it happened and it was a genocide.
0: So let's see. Wanna to get to the big the grand finale.
1: I don't think there's really anything else that we can talk about.
0: All right, let's get to the, the grand.
1: only other thing I want to talk about is bipartisanship, but really we can nestle that into the state of the union.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right, so April 28th, uh, in the year of our Lord, 2021, uh, it was actually early, I think two weeks earlier, Speaker Pelosi said, hey, Mr. President, would you like to come over? <laughs> this is probably how, this is head canning. This is how they this initiation happened. She was like, either gave a bad signal or basically gave a text like, hey, Mr. President, wanna speak at Congress at joint session? And he was like, sure. <laughs> What time? And she said, this time. He's like, all right, let's do it. Unsurprised.
1: The president of the United States gets to make a joint address.
0: Exactly. Shocker. Even during <laughs> times of COVID.
1: Oh, yeah. So, you know, it makes, you know, this is something, it's a tradition. It always happens. Not that surprising that. Joe Biden gets a speech as well. Um, yeah. Why overall? He? I would say it was a very good speech.
0: Fucking loved it. <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah, no, it was. A, I watched it live. I thought it was a very good speech. I it hit all the points for me in terms of policy positions.
0: Yep.
1: Um, to this point that I kind of just that I mentioned before we started this about bipartisanship. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah. um, Look, we're going to be real here. If you voted for Joe Biden because you thought he was going to, we both voted for Joe Biden. If you voted for Joe Biden because you thought Joe Biden was going to essentially create an air of bipartisanship between both the democrats and the republicans and let's be clear he did message himself in this way up until up until including his inaugural address he messaged himself as someone who could bridge the divide mm
0: mm-hmm.
1: reality is, is he fucking lied to you
0: yes he lied to you he lied well like, I, I,
1: I, I don't know if, yeah, I, I don't know your opinion on that. But from my perspective, and I would argue, he lied. Whether or not it was his intention to lie, whether or not he was, you know, came from the position of, like, personally, he wanted to do that. But the, the, you know, the realities on the ground were much different. He lied. And they tried to sell bipartisanship as, well, we're just doing what the majority of Americans want. And the reality is, is that a lot of the policies Joe Biden has done so far are very popular. Really that's, outside of immigration, that's the only area he gets poor rankings. Yes. Right. The poor rankings and then with regards to race he gets low positive rankings. Yeah, But the Although reality see- is that's not definitionally bipartisanship.
0: Yeah, Although I have seen, I think, polls that said that they approve of his um, I think it's around the 50s. His
1: thing with, you know, this. Mm-hmm. I mean, to Biden's credit, and I think he has managed to maintain the coalition he won and added some in. He's got he's roughly at like 56%, 57% approval right now, which essentially is his coalition of 50 51 to 52 plus five. Yeah. So he he has support like he has positive support. The problem is, is that it, pretty much since pretty much since Obama, we' have lived in very partisan times because if you look at like sure taken. Obama started off with like a 60% approval rating
0: mm-hmm.
1: over 60% but the reality is, is it tapered off eventually and it stabilized around like high mid 50s. Mm-hmm. And it's a similar thing with Trump. Mm -hmm. Trump came into office with like 40, mid to low 40% approval rating, and it pretty much stayed there the entirety of his presidency. Yes. And so far, Biden's approval rating really hasn't changed that much. And I think that's I don't think that's a product of Biden. I think that's a product of the United where the United States is politically where we are so divided that uh, I don't think we're ever going to see, you know, unless it's like very specific circumstances, I do not think we're going to get to a position where the president is going to achieve upwards of 60 to 70% approval ratings. Like, I don't think we're going to get to a point where George, you know, George H.W. Bush had like 72% approval ratings. 80. I, 80. I, I don't think we're getting back to that point because there's always going to be that 30% on either side. 30 to 40% on either side, that's just not going to cave. And you can have an issue with that. I'm not, I'm just presenting this as like where we are. You can turn that into whatever you want, but I, that is where we are at. And so, as far as I'm concerned, as long as Joe Biden can keep himself above 52%, I think he's fine. Yeah.
0: Honestly, my position is I honestly believe. Biden won't get a ring that's below 50. Yeah. The main reason I say that is because even though Republicans try and try and try and try try to paint him a certain way, it constantly fails. Mm-hmm. Like during the primaries, like where Trump was like, well, he's a Trojan horse of the left. I mean, I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't be fine. I'd be fine with that. But, um, Most Americans probably be like, I've known Joe Biden essentially my entire life, not essentially my entire life. You know who he was. He's a mainstream left of center Democrat. Yeah. It's like, he's not a bookie man. You know, he's not Bernie. He's not AOC. He's not any of those people. And like, just all this stuff, like, you know, saying sleepy Joe, basically. (laughs) You know, try that. I looked at, numbers of joint sessions of Congress speeches. His was like longest in the, like had Reagan, Bush 41, Clinton, Bush 43, Obama, uh, Trump, and then him. He had the longest of them, which is basically mm-hmm. like 64 minutes.
1: Yeah. It was so not long. a short speech. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, and, you know, saying, you know, he has dementia, dementia show and all that crap, you know, as far as I know, he seems fine to me. Yeah. Other than a
1: few... i I'm watching it, I would just say, other than, like, a few... There was maybe, like, it's like long three or four moments, I could say he looked... I, obvious air quotes, like he had dementia. I don't think... They just came off to me like it was, like, not everyone is good at speaking in front of people, and he's just kind of stumbling over his words. Like, I like- would probably... Or I would make, I would make awkward remarks or statements or stumble over my speech.
0: Stumble over a my point.
1: prepared speech if I was president of the United States.
0: I only I noticed once. I only noticed once of when he stumbled. Yeah, but he seems coherent and all that. And a lot of the stuff I he proposed as a progressive, I quite liked. Quite liked. Oh yeah. You know, fear about you know this is me. I'm from the left. I'm a progressive. I'm a social democrat. But Biden has really exceeded, just exceeded expectations. me. Yeah. I can't speak for everyone, but it has you know, you know the balls that he had on national television saying that trickle down economics does not work. This gets me giddy. Like every time I basically I see a picture of it and it says trickle down economics uh, doesn't work, I get a little like <laughs> I get shivers because this has been four years, like, like all that crap, you know, yeah, economics man. and all that stuff. And the fact of the matter is, Biden of all people, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Is was the one who basically said, I mean, there are plenty of people. I think there was a picture a video of like Obama saying it didn't work.
1: But mm-hmm. this is like
0: joint session. This is state of the union. And he's yeah. saying, yeah. yeah, this doesn't work. Like all the stuff, like supporting, you know, $15 minimum wage, the new this, the bottom two of his American Plan trilogy, the American Jobs Plan and the American Family Plan. Mm-hmm. Um, supporting the Equality Act, HR one, uh, George Floyd, Justin policing, all this stuff that I prioritize. I'm like, man, I like that. And even in a very great moment, when he was talking about the Equality Act. He was basically saying uh, about trans transgender Americans, especially younger Americans, that you have your back. And especially since you did not pay attention, there is a lot of malarkey transphobic malarkey getting passed into law most recently in yeah, yeah. West Virginia and mm-hmm. it puts people on, you know a group of people that are very much marginalized like transgender Americans under fire especially younger ones so that's yeah. awesome you know yeah no
1: I mean as a liberal I would argue center left i am center left but i am certainly to your right um i love the speech i thought it was very good just across the board all hit all the issues that i wanted to i think it reflected
0: uh
1: a very coherent very honestly very good vision for our future for our country and i think um you know to give On the one hand, you have to give credit to the left. On the other hand, you have to give credit to the people who are on the left who want to say that they support Joe Biden. Yes, like me. Because there's, uh, I, I'm of two tracks on this, and that it's, on the one hand, Joe, for, to start off, Joe Biden is not inherently a left-wing Democrat. And he's also not inherently a centrist, ideologically. Joe Biden has, I would argue, historically been he is centrist, yes, in that he has always been at the center of democratic politics. Yes, Whatever the party politics of the Democratic Party is, Joe Biden has always been very effective at positioning himself in the center of that.
0: He's a party man.
1: He is a, he is a to use a political science term, he is a party creature. He's a creature of the party,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is something we don't usually have in America. <laughs> To be yeah. quite frank, it's usually we have some outsider that's breaking open the system and shaking shit up. And the reality is <sighs> that those people don't usually, <laughs> they don't usually shake up as much shit as they think they can. Oh. Joe Biden is very different in that he is that party creature, which we really haven't had in many years. I've argued, I would argue we've had it in the past, but we haven't had it in recent political history. Who
0: else would you say has, has been a party creature?
1: I, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but that's not the point that I'm trying to get at.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: point that I'm trying to get at is that the Democratic Party has shifted. And in many ways, that is thanks to the left, within yes. the, not only within the Democratic Party, but within the country more broadly. And that is specifically since 26. 2008, not 2016. I would go back to 2008. Interesting. Interesting with the Wall Street crash, that was something that really engaged a lot of progressive politics, I would argue. I think the Iraq war contributed to it and sort of laid the groundwork for that. Mm-hmm. But it really took the uh, the 2008 crash to really crystallize all that and put it all together in terms of bringing forward Occupy Wall Street for an ex- as an example. Yes, And sure, you can create, like, Occupy Wall Street, you can criticize it as a movement. Put that aside. And the reason I would argue Occupy Wall Street is where that started is that Occupy Wall Street translated into support for politicians like Elizabeth Warren, even though he was already elected, Bernie Sanders for, as another example, essentially centering a more progressive economic agenda within the Democratic Party, or at least bringing that up. And through those left-wing activists that has brought into power left-wing politicians who have in turn brought the party more to the left. And while I would say that I am not in that coalition, I can still respect the work that progressive and left-wing activists have done to shift the Democratic Party and as a result, shift Joe Biden because Joe Biden, you know, Notably, he is one of the few people that Bernie Sanders liked when he was in the Senate. That's yeah. because Joe Biden has always, and this is something that I appreciated about Joe Biden, and I why I voted, and part of the reason why I voted for him is because he's very good at uh, working people, for lack of a better term. He understands how to function as a legislator, and I would argue he is continuing that as his, as a president. That sort of collaborative, I'm going to work with everyone kind of leadership, which sure got him to work with segregationists, but it also works to get him in bed with working with progressives. So it's, it's a double-edged sword in that way. On the other hand, I do feel for leftists and progressives who want to openly support Joe Biden, because I've, I've seen some tweets about this where some people have been like on the left who basically are complaining that they can't do this can't openly support him because they know they're going to get shit on by other members of the left. Now and this, this isn't guy. I You're one of the rare exceptions. I actually I wouldn't say rare. You're one of the exceptions to that rule. Hmm. A General criticism I have of the left and the reason why I moved away from progressive politics generally mm-hmm. is because oftentimes they will do these very poor things tactically in terms of we want to make progress. Progress had happened. But we're still going to criticize the system. And uh, maybe that's not the best way of putting it. But essentially, we're still going to... Uh, how am I trying to phrase this? How am I trying to phrase this? Essentially, it's good that they agitate the system. Yes. At the same time... You know, for their politics, it's good that they agitate the system. It's good that they push for change. At the same time, there is a problem in terms of eating their own. That's what this is. What I'm getting at: they're eating their yes. own. Any six, you know, if you celebrate, hey, this establishment person actually did what we wanted, then you're treated as like, oh, hey, you're now a part of the establishment because you are praising that establishment person. And so there is this is negative side to the left that I really dislike that will essentially treat any uh, praise of success, any praise of the establishment as equal to siding with the establishment, even if that leftist who praised the establishment still agitates against the establishment to try and push the establishment more left.
0: I agree.
1: You know, I have so, yeah. And it, it's tactically just Stupid. I mean, this gets into the whole issue about Brianna, uh, Joy Gray, Ryan Knight, Jimmy, the Dore. Jimmy Dore Kyle factions James of the DSA, Kyle Kalinsky, Crystal Ball. A lot of these progressive and left wing activists who, tactically, I would argue, just are terrible. They're just so bad because literally they're. It, it turns their pol- their entire politics into just being anti-establishment. Yes. Without actually accomplishing anything. They just want to be a contrarian and flip off the system, which if that's what you want to do, have at it. Go fucking wild as far as I'm concerned.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But if I was still a progressive, and I felt this way when I was a progressive, and I honestly feel this, even though I'm not a progressive anymore, I still feel this for progressives. Those kinds of people who just want to be anti-establishment and not actually achieve anything are the stupidest motherfuckers. The honest-to-God stupidest motherfuckers out there. Because they aren't doing anything. They aren't changing any minds. They aren't making any progress. They're just
0: agitating to agitate. And that is so dumb. I agree. I guess, wait, there's another one. Seeing Republicans pitch about the whole Biden presidency so far is quite hilarious.
1: Yeah. This leads into um, one Timothy Scott, the junior senator from the great state of South Carolina.
0: (laughs) And there was other ones like Kevin's like a bunch of bullshit scandals like, you know, he's going to get our red meat, you know, you know yeah it's just that or like just re- one of the reasons why the american rescue plan set pass was that republicans did not have an a-game they were focusing on way different stuff like mr potato head is potato head now or dr mm-hmm. seuss all this yeah. crap and it just didn't they didn't have a strong enough argument and also it was popular like think about president biden's mm-hmm. policies Look at American Rescue Plan. You look at even uh American uh jobs plan, look at the American Family Plan. They see the approval. It's like high 60s, even low 70s. Yeah. uh, Across the board. And it's like, yeah, it costs a lot of money. It's like six trillion dollars combined. But you know what? (laughs) Even the American people are like, I'll take that chance. That sounds good. Mm -hmm you know, it's worth the price of admission, and it's gonna, and I will say, it may hurt, hopefully, but for me as a Democrat, I hope it hurts Republicans. (laughs) Just, like, yeah, because, you know, you're gonna find a constituent who's, like, yeah, I was struggling, my business was down, I was trying to put meat food on the table and for the COVID relief bill, and you voted against it. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, or, like, the infrastructure uh, family family stuff they're trying to do all this stuff and you know install a law we, it passes you know, basically mm-hmm. and you're saying it gives all this benefits all that's paid family leave basically you voted against it what are you doing like basically yeah so hopefully like they all passes and it just gets a big repercussions for republicans for voting against
1: it knock on
0: wood yes please because um,
1: 2022 is around the corner. It's, it's going to be next year. It is going to be interesting to see what the results are like.
0: and We'll see what COVID is like. You know, like yeah, that, which I very much hope. You know, I think either it just is essentially eradicated, or just like an epidemic, like the flu, like it's mm-hmm. there, but it's not like you know, those days. Yeah. Where it's just like could uh, up team cases and. Of teen people dying. Mm-hmm. But, oh yeah, like all this stuff, you know, seeing the memes, seeing like Ted Cruz met, met Mitt Romney and uh, Lauren, or <laughs> whatever her name is, but, um, just looking pissed. And it, when Ted Cruz yeah. was falling asleep, there were some memes. And sadly, I was bummed out how no none of them had him dreaming and it just had the, the video of that porno he liked on Twitter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> That Uh, would actually. Someone needs to make that. That would actually be hilarious. Please, somebody. Even even if he's not sleeping, he still looks like. I saw one where it was like, "Oh, he's getting a blowjob." So you could still, you could still make that and have it work.
0: Somebody better make a meme of that picture, and it just has the image of whatever porn star that was.
1: Yeah, just that clip of the porn.
0: I still remember that time.
1: That was so funny.
0: I but st- yeah. I'm sorry. We'll we'll talk about that.
1: We'll I talk about that later.
0: That episode. No,
1: I was just going to say that that is, it's so funny that, that that was a thing in 2016.
0: 17, actually. I 17,
1: whatever. It was whatever.
0: September night. And I was looking over Twitter. And there was like, Ted Cruz. I'm like, huh. And then I pressed that. And it was like, huh. I mean, it does. It's. I'm just yeah. going to say right now I think Jake is watching porn even though he goes on this like anti-porn.
1: Of course, I highly I would I highly doubt most of those Republicans who are anti-porn crusaders do not watch porn. Highly doubt. Maybe some of the older <laughs> ones, sure, but I highly doubt a lot of, especially a lot of the younger, like especially a lot of the younger men.
0: Josh Hawley, highly
1: really doubt yeah. it. On, like- but this this speaks to like you are hitting on a larger problem with the Republican Party at the moment, which we can get into more in a later podcast. But essentially, the Republican Party now is just culture war. That's all yes. it is. They have shed the pro- they have shed any economic conservatism, as far as I am mm-hmm. concerned, because I believe you made this point about how. Um, actually, I don't know if you made this point. Essentially, I don't know. You brought up, um, uh, trickle economics, trickle down economics is dead. Yeah. Never worked. Honestly, I would argue that that has been a, that has been the position of this country for years, long before Biden came into office long during the Trump administration. I think it was the ethos of the country during the Obama administration, because, you look at what was being supported and you're like sure you talk to people and they're like oh yeah no i don't like government i don't like government spending i think government needs you know spending needs to be cut sure 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 and then when you ask them about like specific policy proposals they actually support them overwhelmingly
0: yeah like bill like, clinton I like medicare i like yeah, bill
1: clinton very famously could not like even if bill clinton wanted to cut medicare and social security could never have done it he very yep. famously beat up on New Gangridge for trying to even do that. It's been a consistent talking point of Democrats to be like they're going to cut your Medicare. The Republicans are going to cut your Medicare. Because the reality is people in America are operationally liberal. Yes. For lack of a better term. It's a, it's there's this political science quote about how um Essentially, Americans like the perception of being fiscally conservative, but in terms of actual day-to-day operations of the government, we prefer a liberal government, even yes. fiscally speaking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And to your point, Joe Biden has acknowledged that. I saw that as more of an acknowledgement of this is where we are. Because yeah. I would argue Trump was not a, Reaganom- a Reaganomics guy. Sure, he cut taxes, but he still increased spending. Same thing with Obama. Same thing with Bush, excuse me, arguably same thing with uh, Clinton. And this gets into the point that essentially Reaganomics has been dead
0: for a long time. You may say it was dead since Bush 41.
1: Honestly, you could, you honestly could. And the reality of the matter is, is that we're just not a very fiscally conservative nation. The problem is, to turn this back to the Republican Party and specifically to Tim Tim Scott's speech, uh, you look at it. Yeah, it was mostly platitudes, but the really the points that they were hitting on was mostly culture war issues, immigration, race. Those were really the major themes of his speech. And then essentially trying to label Joe Biden as a socialist. But even then, that has a cultural bent to it. Yes. It's really not sure. you could The, the phrase socialist economics, for lack of a better term, is a scare, is a scare buzzword in American politics. Mm-hmm. But when people talk about socialism, oftentimes it is more of a cultural understanding, not an economic one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And <sighs> The reality is, is that, like I sort of mentioned before, immigration is an issue where Joe Biden is underwater. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Polling-wise.
1: Race, while I believe he does have a positive rating on it, it is not an overwhelmingly positive rating. Mm-hmm. And it is very clear that the Republican Party is attempting They believe their strategy is to use culture war issues to bolster themselves. And I'm going to be very fucking blunt about this. Put aside Tim Scott as a human being. I genuinely do not think that he has any sort of negative motivations with what he believes. I don't think he's like cynically gotten to politics because he was a black man in a Republican black man. I don't think that was his... Reason for running for office. I think he had genuine reasons.
0: Yeah, he's a good dude.
1: Yeah, I think that at the end of the day, he is a good dude. Reality of the matter is he is a black Republican. The Republican Party is currently dealing with the question of whether with the perception that it is a racist party, that it is an anti-black party. Mm-hmm. Cannot be ignored that the first state, the first response to a democratic state of the union was made by a black man.
0: And especially since cannot the, be ignored. Especially at the polling, since if you know the rules, I mean, if you follow the news, Derek got convicted. And although there was mm-hmm. a there was a majority of it, 52%, there was a 46% that said maybe he should have gotten he could have gotten.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, unfortunately, those are members of the Republican Party. Not all of them, but yeah. those are members of the Republican pure
0: Party. The majority did agree that he should have gotten convicted, like 52%. Yeah. But they're still
1: there. The Republican Party is dealing with a racist issue, a racist voter base
0: mm-hmm.
1: in many ways. And is that to say that the United States is racist or that that 52% of Republicans are just inherently
0: racist
1: 46% 46% no I do not think that the United States isn't it is in, is. I think that there are racist issues within the United States mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. that need to be dealt with that does not mean that the generic American is inherently racist yeah The problem is is that now the racists are out of the closet.
0: Yeah. And they often vote Republican. Yeah. Often one of the things about Trump, why we don't like him, is basically he emboldened bigots. Yeah. He pretty much was like, It's okay to openly say, you know, show distrust towards Mexican, undocumented Mm -hmm. Mexican immigrants. You know, it's okay to you know, be against the elites and the intellectuals. It's okay to do all this stuff.
1: But specifically framing that in a racial yeah. lens. And I mean, I was I dug into the data because I was actually kind of curious about this about Tim Scott. Mm-hmm. Because he is a black Republican. And he is a Black Republican in a large in a state with a large, sizable Black population, South Carolina. So mm-hmm. I was curious. How does he do amongst Black people? Now, granted, he has had two Black people run against him in his only two elections. But from the data I could find, he does not do any better with Black people than Lindsey Graham did. Hmm. Comparably, Tim Scott's last election was in 2016, a presidential election year. He got about 8% of the Black vote. Hmm. Lindsey Graham's last presidential election was 2006 or 2020. Yeah, in a presidential election year. He got about 6%. So it's only about a 2% difference. Yeah. And this speaks to the fact that the Republican Party is now largely a white party. Yes. It, it's the majority of the people who support them are white. You look at all the demos, regardless of age, the Republican Party, regardless of age, Generally regardless of education. Mm-hmm. Regardless of gender. Yeah. The Republican Party does better with white people. They have overall. Won,
0: they have won pretty much the white vote since 1968. Yes. Next, during LBJ when he won, 64 was the last time majority of white people voted for
1: Democrats. Yeah. And does that mean that all these white people are automatically racist? No, no. The reality is that the Democrat is that the Republican Party has this now perception of being racist, and I think it's inarguable to say that Tim Tim Scott Tim Scott existing and giving a speech allow creates a permission structure, creates gives Republicans the ability to say, "Hey, see, we're not the racist party." Yeah, You put a black guy up to speak for you to speak for us,
0: or whatever majority group like you know in California in Morgan's great state home state Caitlyn Jenner is running is apparently running for governor and I guess some Republicans could say well we're not against trans people even though there are a bunch of laws that are passed in Republican states and Republican governors that are you know detrimental to trans people they say hey we have Caitlyn Jenner she's running for uh, she's running for governor we're not transphobic
1: even though most of the hate I have seen her get has been from conservatives. Yep. That's not to say that there hasn't been any liberal critique, any liberal transphobia against her. Yeah. I'm certain, I am certain there are people who are out there doing that. Yeah, absolutely. The reality of the matter is, I believe, I'm going to kind of paraphrase Andrew Gillum on this. Do I believe that the vast majority of Republicans are racist? No. Do I believe that the vast majority of Republican officials are racist? No. Transphobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, sexist, whatever bigot, you know, whatever bigotry you want to put in. Do I believe that the vast majority of Republicans and elected Republican-elected officials are? No. But the large majority of bigots yes. vote for Republicans. Yes. And that is a consistent base for the Republican party and they know it. Yeah. They know it. There was a very notable point. There was actually like to even speak to this still, there was a point in the 2020 uh, Republican convention where you had a moment where essentially Mike Pence kind of said like, basically said to white America, we are not racist. I forget the exact quote, but he was like, we love our neighbor, our black neighbors essentially kind of saying like we don't have an issue with black people but also pushing like not directly not essentially saying like the way you would want to phrase it if you want to be like diverse and bring people together would be like we love everyone regardless of who they are Mm -hmm. you know we love everyone from black to white something to that extent but when you're saying basically we love our black neighbors we
0: like our specific black
1: It's not even just saying that. It's saying to white people, hey, we like black people too. We know you like black people. We also like black people. Okay.
0: I like black people. You like black people.
1: We all like black people. Okay. I'm not going to make any attempt to appeal to them, but I, I want you to know that we like them. Yeah. Because their voter base is largely predominantly white. White. White.
0: But anyway, this was a Joe Biden podcast.
1: This was. And then it turned into something. And then it turned into, you know, it's a politics podcast that talked about politics. Exactly. Surprise.
0: I'm very, I guess if we start. You know, I know we've missed some policies that President Biden has done.
1: I'm certain. It's 100 days. We can't get everything.
0: We we just want the, the issues that we care about. Exactly. But... President Biden, he's doing a damn good job. Oh yeah, I only have one criticism from Biden's speech. When at the beginning of the speech, as you know, President Vice President Biden's Vice President is Kamala Harris. Yes, Kamala Harris is a woman, mm-hmm. and the Speaker of the House is one Nancy Pelosi, who is also a woman and so it was basically like yeah it's great and he was like yeah never been a time basically where this has happened And it was about time it would have been better if he says and it's about damn time or it was like or something it was about fucking time or something if he would have said that i was like yes <laughs> but he that would have been pretty epic we need more i need it either be you or me we need more pro- politicians to swear
1: we really fucking do
0: I think the only one we got was better. O'Rourke
1: he swore a bit. Yeah, no, I definitely think that's one of the taboos that I've never really been a big fan of. Surprising, yeah. I, a person who swears a lot, does not fucking like that taboo.
0: Even me, I, I mean, I do swear. Come on, I don't even like it.
1: I swear very casually.
0: Yeah, it's like I'm a casual. it's, It's a product of where
1: I grew up. Yeah. Regardless,
0: but if you yeah, that would have been pretty
1: cool. that would have been pretty cool. Yeah, That's, that's pretty I'm... crazy, pretty crazy that we had two people as a California, 10. as a Californian. Oh, that boy. we had. Now, granted, I made this mistake where I was like, "Oh, this might be the first time that we've had two people from the same state." No, that's not true, mm-hmm. but it is pretty crazy to have two people from California. Up there. And in particular, two people from basically the
0: same San area. Cisco Francisco.
1: San Francisco she doesn't live in no, I should clarify. Kamala does not live in San Francisco anymore. Yeah. But she got she originated from San Francisco.
0: And so well, this is a really cool. Yeah,
1: and <laughs> really well,
0: like she that. was famously from San Francisco. Although she was she born is, and raised in the great state of Maryland, because that's where she was born. Yes. So Marilyn can claim Nancy Pelosi as one of her own.
1: You can. You brought her to power
0: though. Not wholly like California, but we do have a spot.
1: Yes. I mean, you know, her father, I think, probably helped informed.
0: Yeah, he was like a very big politician.
1: He was like a big he was one of the big city. He was Baltimore's mayor. So he was like one of the classic kind of power-breaking mayors. Yeah, she even our met broker UK. mayors. Yeah, one of these really real strong men mayors, from what I remember. Yeah. yeah, no, I just I felt some pride there. Two people from California. California. Up California. Up there. Okay. As someone who wants, as someone who would like to be in that position at one point, but is also from California, it was nice. Yeah.
0: There needs to be more Maryland representation in our. The only big time Maryland person in, in Congress is Stoner, like Hoyer. What's his first name? Steny higher yeah. yeah Only in one in leadership. Yeah. Need more. I hope John Delaney can come back. <laughs> John Delaney. John Delaney needs to be governor. That's what I'm saying. But anyway, that's what my... Regardless. Profession. Joe Biden has done a really good job. And it, by the looks of it, he can have a very transformative and consequential presidency. Because mm-hmm. pretty much, he has... Pretty much is, you know, there is a comparison how Bernie Sanders was essentially the anti Barry Goldwater. How Barry mm-hmm. Goldwater, he gave, was the voice of the right, was the nominee. While Bernie isn't the same because he wasn't nominated for president, he definitely gave left wing ideas. And then Biden is essentially the anti Reagan, essentially. Pretty much, you know, give all the bullshit about how, you know, government is not the not the solution it's the problem basically just for years upon years just anti-government you know and government is inherently bad and then Biden, basically bringing back the sort of fdr lbj you know basically government being a, a beneficial good yeah and as someone who likes you know you know transformative progressive presidents like FDR and LBJ, I think Biden could join them.
1: I agree. We'll have to see how the rest of his term, his rest of his tenure goes, but I think you may be right.
0: Yeah. And it's so weird. (laughs) Of all the people, Joe Biden is, like, going to be in the history of potentially being, like, on the list of transformative presidents of Washington, Lincoln, Theodore Roosevelt, FDR, Reagan, and then Joe Biden. <laughs> it's just so weird.
1: It's going to be an interesting four to eight years. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah.
0: But this has been a, a, another episode of the Down Bad Politics where we talk about the greatness that is and also he'll probably be the best president of my lifetime, which is really strange.
1: The greatness of Joe Biden.
0: Exactly. We talked to, we kissed Joe Biden's feet. We want to, we basically want to him to invite us to the White House and basically talk off. We just want, we, if we could get a presidential medal of freedom from President Biden, it'd be nice. He, He could basically, you know, promote our podcast. That'd be great.
1: That was just our little our little podcast with so many so many followers.
0: Exactly, all the president no Biden was like, "I like these, I like these kids," because I guess I mean, he could be old enough to be our grandfather. Essentially, he could be. Yeah. Regardless, but, yeah, we love Joe Biden in this podcast.
1: We love Joe Biden, and
0: he's doing a great job. He's doing a
1: great job. So, I'm Morgan McIntyre.
0: I'm Matthew Barber.
1: Have a good day.
0: Yes. God bless you and may God protect our troops. Yes.